Okay, welcome back to another episode of Fairly Inkwell. Um, so here's today's pitch. Uh, and and this, uh, this idea came to me when I was talking to my brother and his, his uh, Japanese girlfriend who is um, at this point virtual because she's in Japan. Anyway, uh, so the idea is this, that there is a young person. And again, the protagonist feels female in my mind and probably because of my brother. But uh, they are in this cult, and the cult speaks a certain language, and because of that, uh, it causes like it causes certain behaviors because of the language, and so this cult member starts learning the language of the outside world, and as they learn it and become more fluent in it, they start to kind of develop a different personality that is separate from the the person that speaks the language of the cult. And then so at some point it would be um, once you're fluent enough in that outside world language, you kind of wake up to the reality of what you're living in. And so this person does that and then has to escape the cult. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, it's both language, both as reflective of your society and a language that also generates the society that you're in. Well, and it, it also kind of generates the personality. And so... Um, like to, to help aid in this kind of concept is um, my brother was telling me that his girlfriend feels like when she is in Japan speaking Japanese, that she is a different person than when she's speaking English to him on, you know, video calls and all that. And it kind of makes sense because, because of the Japanese cultural boundaries and expectations, like when you're out in public, you're expected to be very respectful. And I think the language reflects that because the language becomes very polite, very formal. And then when you're, you know, even with Japanese, when you're in closed doors, you drop a lot of the formality with your, with your close friends and all that. So it's almost like it's a different language. And then even then, even further, when she, when my brother's girlfriend feels like is speaking English, she feels like a completely different person because she is more free, more open. Uh, she jokes around with my brother and probably in ways that she wouldn't feel comfortable with doing when she's in, you know, in Japan. And so that was kind of this idea. And I kind of framed it in a cult uh, setting because I think that would showcase the concept a little bit better of like just kind of boxing people in based on their language and the language kind of dictates certain social behaviors so, and I also think this idea could be extrapolated out to, a, I don't know, in a lot of different ways and not just language, but a lot of different types of communication. Yeah. I mean, I, I can completely see where you're going with this. Even, even if you just take common language that you have now, speaking English, you know, there is, we, we speak to each other. Uh, if we're close friends, we speak to each other one way. If we are professionals, we speak to each other one way. If we are professionals who have never met before, then we have a completely different manner of speech, you know, defined by our social situations. I mean, there are even people that I know that refuse to use contractions <laughs> in, in formal speech, you know, and, and, uh, they're very, they are almost religious about it. So you, right. you, you take that into another language and, and try to and try to observe like the, the, the social situations that language constrains you too exactly yeah exactly right I, I, that's i will say that that sounds to me pretty unique like that's a pretty unique idea for how to how to build a story right. 
well, yeah, I like that. It's it's interesting too because I like when it came when when that um, that point about my brother's girlfriend about how she feels like a different person when she's speaking a different language. When he made that point or when he told me about that, I it kind of blew my mind because I was just like, I, and I've been learning Japanese for longer than I care to remember and I still can't speak it fluently, but I can see how the language would constrain your uh, behavior. And in that way, it would actually almost constrain your personality because it would set up patterns of thoughts and patterns of behaviors. Mm-hmm. And so once you add in another language on top of that, that's more open and more, uh, you know, more fluid and less formal, like then you, uh, you start to open up the person's personality to, to their true potential, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's another way to put it. I mean, we think in language, you know, so if you're thinking in terms of, of, you know, either a very rigid and structured language, then maybe that is reflective of your rigid and structured society versus something that's a bit more free, free flow and loose, you know, uh, and less restrictive. Yeah. So we were also talking about your son and how he speaks technology. Oh yeah. So it just makes me wonder what kind of a person is he without that language? Yeah. And, and to just to provide some background on the listeners, uh, side, the, so, so I introduced technology to my son very young in life. Like I want to say three years old is when he received his first brand new uh, Samsung Galaxy tablet. Uh, he's had a laptop since he was about five. He's been able to read and write uh, since about that time also. So he he picked up language very quickly. He picked up like, you know, those kind of, of skills very quickly. But because he's he's always had technology in his life, he has not kind of an innate understanding of how technology functions so he can approach uh, machines or interfaces or whatnot without, you know, and seeing them for the first time and kind of sort of understand exactly how they work, uh, which I know I'm kind of, I'm kind of softball on that. But uh, so that's, that's the background but, but of what we're talking about. he basically speaks technology. He yeah. speaks user interface. Yeah, he does. And so if you, you know, if you took that whole idea and just added a different language and, and to like, you know, I'm not saying that my brother's girlfriend has multiple personality disorder Mm -hmm. um but it is a very interesting thought and and also the more language that you learn like it it almost forces you to learn about culture and it kind of opens up those boxes that you've placed yourself in and just allows for more free free flowing thought and all of that and so framing this story inside of a cult would create a lot of narrative uh what is it resistance Mm -hmm. to the main character leaving the cult and they you know the main character would try to explain what is happening using the cult's language you know to the other cult members and they wouldn't be able to understand it oh yeah because they don't speak the same language yeah i get it Mm -hmm. so and and, you know and you could set up like you could set up a, a pretty good story you know where the cult member leaves this the thing and then you, like maybe has to escape it because it's a like a life or death. Like if you try to leave the compound, we're going to shoot you. Mm. And it's a very dangerous place like North Korea. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> and then once they get out, they want to rescue their friends from inside because you can't grow up in a, in a culture and in a group of people without making friends. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so the, the cult member wants to rescue some of it. And so part of that could be the, the propaganda and learning this new language that is more open and less structured. So, yeah. Okay. And, you know, and, and so that's a very dramatic way to take it. But, I mean, you could also make it almost like a, a, a fish-out-of-water comedy, right? Like, so mm-hmm. somebody who is leaving the cult and being introduced into regular society <laughs> – and juxtapose that maybe against somebody who is older, maybe late teens, early 20s, who might be getting recruited and introduced to the cult. Right. Maybe their paths are crossing or something, kind of a parallel doors situation. Well, and, and you don't even necessarily have to frame this in a cult setting. Mm-hmm. But the idea that the language that you speak changes your behavior could be a very powerful tool um, for any story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? How, like, for instance, like, how do we use language? to refer to other people that we interact with on a daily basis? How do you use language to refer to your girlfriend or your wife or your husband or, or, or whatever, you know, how do you, do you, do you, do you use language like most respectful girlfriend or do you say, Oh no, it's my side chick. Right. And it sets up, yeah, it sets up behaviors and, and, and thought patterns in your mind. Mm -hmm. Like when you, just when you did that there, I was thinking like, uh, you know, the, the Japanese word for uh, excuse me is sumimasen. And, like, you almost want to bow when you say that word. Mm. Sumimasen. Like, mm-hmm. like, it almost forces a physical reaction, a tangible behavior. And so it's like, maybe that's what's really happening is there, you know, the cult members actually know the power of their language. Mm-hmm. And so they're tying their words and their actions very specific, their words to very specific actions. And uh, and then in order to break out of that, you just have to learn the definitions of things without those actions tied to them. Yeah. I mean, because you can totally bow without saying sumimasen, but saying sumimasen and almost can, triggers that physical response. And you can say sumimasen in a completely different way but without the bow. But I think the Japanese society, because that's the norm, mm-hmm. I'm actually maybe that's not the norm, because it seems <laughs> like it, it's the norm. Um you know, that's the behavior that it's, that's expected when you say that phrase, you know, phrase. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you do. And that could be the, the very similar thing with this, uh, you know, this cultic setting. Like they would be, you know, triggered to uh, clean the toilet if they said like, blah, blah, you know, so whatever phrase like it's like and, and the leaders of the cult actually know how to use this to essentially program their their members. Oh, man. Oh yeah, okay. I kind of like that. I mean, and and I mean, I don't want to. I want to take this down this road, but that's also like I don't know how familiar you are with the CIA uh, program MK Ultra, where they were trying to make like super spies, basically using different types of drugs that today we yeah. realize are not drugs you want to dope. <laughs> like they were trying to give you know amounts of LSD to people to make them more impressionable and and provide trigger words right. that would cause them to have a reaction. Uh, and, and, and I mean, you could, you could kind of go down that road in the story if the story took the, right. took the writer like there, the, you know, the Manchurian candidates. Oh yeah. Exa- yeah. The Manchurian candidate. Exactly. So yeah, I mean that there, there's some other elements to that. There could be a technology element to it. There could be Absolutely. an indoctrination. Actually, you could write an alternate history in our, or an alternate fiction of how JFK was assassinated because mm. wasn't, uh, the guy that shot, um, Lee Harvey Oswald 
Wasn't he supposedly a Manchurian candidate? Isn't that what the conspiracy is? I, he always said, uh, Jack Ruby was his name. Yeah, he yeah. always said when he was in jail that I think I want to say he died of cancer in jail. I'm not 100% sure about that. But uh, I do know that he, he always said he was a big patsy and he had this bigger story to tell, but he never got told, you know. Right. Uh, so, yeah, maybe. So uh, you could tell the alternate fiction of that and say that he was. Maybe he was part of this cult that we're setting up. Oh, and, man. And, uh, and his trigger word was because of just ingrained behavior. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I and like he, it. You know, <laughs> and he, didn't, he never said anything about it because he knew nobody would believe him. <laughs> or he thought nobody would believe him. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's a lot of possibilities with that. Using, using language as a way to cultivate a different personality, you know, in somebody else yeah. by teaching them the language. That's, that's interesting. And you know what though? And I don't want to go to, I don't want to go on metaphysical on this. I'm going to for a second. So bear with me. But, uh, there are religious texts that talk about understanding the true word of something. And if you understand mm. the true word of something, the true name, then you have power over that thing. Right. right? So, uh, I mean, you know, maybe this is a concept that goes back pretty far is in that if you, if you that's true understand a you know uh, a certain like speech pattern or rhythm or cadence or you know some i think the well, ancient egyptians believed that with their magic spells well and this this goes a lot with that book snow crash too is because that's what he was talking about oh, is he yeah. was talking about that uh, was it the sumerian language yeah neil stevens snow crash a, yeah being a programming language for mm-hmm. basic humans and, yeah. and that one of the other languages or, or ritual practices was a virus. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess it's been it's out there. The concept is out there. Yeah, but, but it I mean, really it really brought it home to me when my brother's just like she's like two different people, you know. And it's just like that is a very fascinating thing, problem to have actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and honestly, I think that what your idea was was a lot more low key and subtle than than Snow Crash. Because it wasn't that humans have this kind of like innate ability to be programmed. It's that somebody has figured out, a, you know, that, that by just using more polite language, they generate a more polite right. encounter or more aggressive language. Maybe they can generate this fear response in somebody. Or, or generate hatred for the, the appropriate. Or shame. Yeah, shame is yeah. a huge motivator there, right? Yeah, so, and that shows up in a lot of modern day cults, the shame and guilt, because yeah. it's a very powerful tool. Right. And so you don't want to be ashamed in front of your peer group because, like you said earlier, you've made friends in this cult and and and, you know, now they're being now They're holding you to a particular right. standard of conduct. But also, if you don't have the word that ties something to the feeling of shame, then you're not going to know to feel ashamed at the right moment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, this in could- order to set up that that trigger and actually. Well, and I guess that's a big thing in. uh in modern like uh, uh, modern culture today is triggering people. It's mm. just like, oh, that really triggered me and made me very anxious or really, you know, my road rage went off for this or that trigger. Like, and so you could weaponize that. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what? That would actually probably speak to, you're, you're absolutely right. Like in, in modern culture today in the United States, we, we do, that term trigger word is a well-known uh, term. Like that's not something people have to read up on. You just, everybody knows what it means when you say it. So yeah, and and uh, for like it like it or hate it, you know, like that that's a thing that exists. So oh, yeah. I could actually see a lot of potential in that idea. Yeah, yeah, and 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 really like not even just with that cult framework, but the cult framework I think works well with this 
because it's uh, it's kind of a brainwashing idea. But but anyway, right? Okay, that's it for our pitch for this time. Uh, if you feel like that those concepts or ideas speak to you, you're welcome to take them and write those stories. Um, and if you if you do get in touch with us, let us know. We'd love to talk to you about it, uh, about your process and all of that. So, all right. Until next time. Thanks for listening.